Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The devil is not your friend. He is on a mission to rob you blind and in the end to destroy you. That's his mission. Jesus came to give us life. And it says life to its fullest. The word is actually better translated life more abundantly. Life in excess. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21, in a message titled, I Am the Good Shepherd. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Even in a context of the Christian religion, you can be devoutly religious. You can go through the rituals. You can keep the rules. You can be very devoted and very committed, but not know God. Not know him at all. Not even have the slightest idea of what it would be like to hear his voice. There are multitudes of people in churches just like that today. That's their state. And and I'm talking about in churches. Now, of course, when you broaden it out to other religions and other religious experiences, you have the same exact situation. Because Jesus is the door. Jesus is, is the, the way into the relationship. And it's when we come through Jesus that we have this thing where we can say, kind of like the blind man said, I don't know that, but this is what I know. I was blind, now I see. We can say, we could probably say something like that, but we can also say, you know, I, don't, I might not know all of the technicalities or all the details, but this is what I know. I know that I know the Lord. I know, I know him, and I know he knows me, and I know he speaks to me. Now, you know, when you say that today, people think you're crazy. And some people will tend to mock, oh, how that person thinks that God speaks to him. Well, why, why would that be so strange? If there is a God, if he made the world, if he made you and me, why would it be strange that he would speak to us? You would think it would be strange if he didn't speak to us. So it's not strange. It's, it's normal. It's what you would expect if there is a God. And of course, we believe there is. And one of the reasons is because we know him. And like I said before, you know, never underestimate your testimony. Sometimes... It's just, it just comes down to that. People say, well, how do you know there's a God? Well, I know him. <laughs> I've met him. I've, I've experienced him. That's what Jesus said. That I know my sheep, my sheep know me. But then he said this. He said, I have other sheep not of this fold. Now that would have been a bit puzzling for them at the time. 
What is he talking about? Who, who are these other sheep? Well, he's referring to the Gentiles. He's referring to those outside of Israel. Remember, he's, he's among the Jews. He's come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but not only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's come to gather in from all the world, all of the children of God. And so he is here. It's, it's interesting because Jesus, his, his focus, the focus of the ministry of Jesus was Israel. And so he doesn't even talk a whole lot about what's beyond the borders of Israel. But every now and again, he does hint. He does make some references. Maybe you remember the time where Jesus said this to the people of Israel. He says, many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom, but the children of the kingdom will be cast out. So there he's hinting at this reality that his people are all over the world. They're not just Israelis. And so that's what he is speaking of when he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. But he says this twice. Each time he refers to himself as the good shepherd, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. So this is the, the ultimate demonstration. Now, again, remember, he's, he's contrasting himself with these false shepherds. For the false shepherds, the sheep are there for their advantage, to benefit them, to profit them. Jesus, it's the opposite with Jesus. Jesus says, I'm here to give myself for them. I lay down my life for them. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. There are many, many things that we could say about all of that, but let's just stick with the the emphasis here. But go back with me to verse 14, where he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, most of us would know that this imagery of the shepherd and the sheep we find this used frequently in the Bible, Old and New Testament. So when the Bible uses the imagery of sheep and shepherd to describe the relationship between God and his people, it's doing that for a reason. It's doing that to teach us something. So there's something in the relationship of the sheep to the shepherd, the shepherd to the sheep, that is like the relationship that God has with human beings. And so what does it teach us? Well, the main thing it teaches us is that we human beings were not created to live a life of independence or self-sufficiency. But we, like sheep, 
who cannot survive, let alone flourish without a shepherd. We need someone to watch over us and to take care of us. That's really the main point that's, that God is making, kind of the, the bigger point when he's talking about him being a shepherd, us being a sheep. He's talking about both his willingness and desire to care for us and also about our absolute need for him to care for us. We could say all kinds of things about sheep, and we've done that at times in our, in our teaching. But the main point is that sheep left to themselves self-destruct. Sheep cannot survive without a shepherd, let alone flourish. And God wants us not just to survive, he wants us to flourish. And all you have to do to, to see the parallel is to just look around at humanity at large and look at people who are trying to live independent of God. They're not flourishing by any stretch. People's lives are a mess regardless of what they look like on the surface. A lot of times you you can't see it on the surface, but you just, you scratch just barely beneath the surface and all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, this is not good. And so what Jesus is saying when he's saying he's the good shepherd is he's, he's the one who's going to bring us into flourishing. He's the one who's going to, to take care of us. Now, I don't know how many sheep you've seen up close and personally. Have you ever noticed? Well, I don't know. How many of you have seen sheep up close and personally? Did you notice, and okay, let's say if you've seen sheep at a distance, here's what you think about sheep from a distance. How cute. Oh, look how cute those sheep are. You see them on the hillside walking along and they just so fluffy and oh, they just look so adorable. You get about three feet away from them and you're like, oh my gosh, this thing is so mangy. Oh, no, don't touch it. See, that's why sheep need a shepherd. They need to be taken care of because they, they just don't know how to take care of themselves. So when Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd, the difference between simply a shepherd and a good shepherd is the concern and care for the sheep. Now, here's, a, a, I think, it's a, a great little side note. The word good, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, you know, you can translate that word beautiful. I am the beautiful shepherd. Wow. The beautiful shepherd who delights in beautifying his sheep. And so Jesus says, as the good shepherd is committed to the health and welfare of the sheep. He is committed to our health and welfare to the point of 
even laying down his own life for the benefit of the sheep. Now, I've already alluded to this, but let me just make sure, again, we, we see it. I am the good shepherd. Once again, Jesus identifies as the God of Israel. And those passages, Jeremiah 23, Ezekiel 34, maybe read over those later today or sometime this week, because what you're going to find there is as the Lord is rebuking the shepherds, he is saying to them, I am actually going to come and be the shepherd. You who have fleeced the flock, I'm going to deliver my people from you, and I'm going to come, and I myself will be the shepherd. And so when Jesus says these words, I am the good shepherd, where do you think the minds of everyone who heard this went? They went right to Psalm 23. Of course, they knew the Psalms. They had grown up with them. They had sung them their whole lives. And Psalm 23, the Psalm of David, would have been a favorite among them. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, they automatically thought, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is the Lord. Let me just read that psalm. It's brief. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The word want means lack. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk, Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a reason why that's one of the most loved passages of Scripture. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Now, as we close, I want to go back to verse 10. And remember, Jesus is referring to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, that group of religious leaders, he's referring to them as thieves and robbers. In verse 10, he says, a thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, we oftentimes connect this verse to the devil. I think rightly so. Because the contrast is between someone who comes to give life and someone who is actually seeking our destruction. And basically, the Pharisees and the Sadducees at this time, they are the instruments of the devil. But notice what it says, what what Jesus says about the thief, what what he says about the devil. These are the devil's intention. 
he intends to rob, to kill, and to destroy. That's the mission that the devil is on. He wants to steal from you. He wants to take away all that is good. He wants to rob you blind. He wants to strip you of every good thing that God has instilled in you, that God has bestowed upon you. He wants to just rip it all off. That's what he is. He's a thief. And he has come to rob. But then it says, kill and destroy. What's the difference between those two terms? They seem very similar. The word kill here is so interesting. It's not the usual word for kill. It is actually the word that means sacrifice. So think with me about this. The devil, he has come to rob He has come for a sacrifice, and he has come to destroy. And I think the idea with this word sacrifice here, and of course the sacrifices would be killed, but the sacrifices were dedicated to a God. And I think the picture here is actually, and it's what the false shepherds did do, they consumed the sheep to satisfy their own lust. In other words, they use the sheep to benefit themselves. And man, if that isn't a picture of the devil, the devil is the greatest user of all time. You ever been used by somebody? Somebody who just, you thought they were your friend. You thought they really cared about you. You thought that they had your best interest in mind And you found out later, unfortunately, that they did not care one thing about you. They were using you to fulfill their own desire. Man, it is a miserable feeling to have been used. The devil is the biggest user there is. He uses people to fulfill his will, to satisfy his lust. And then you know what he does? He destroys them. That's what the devil does. He destroys them. He uses them. He robs them of everything. He uses them, promises them sometimes, Delusionally, in their minds, they think we're, we're going to get this and that. And what do they end up with in the end? Nothing. They end up just completely used up. Man, I think of drugs. I mean, talk about a picture. Drugs and alcohol and all of the, the substances and the things, you know, that people get addicted to. And what do these things do? They just, they destroy. The devil uses that. He gets people hooked on drugs and he uses them to get other people hooked on drugs. And he promises them, this is going to be great. This is going to be amazing. And pretty soon they're curled up on a street corner 
with a bag over them for a blanket. And they don't even eat food. They just do their best to get more drugs. And they're out of their minds and they're walking up and down the streets talking and shouting and screaming to themselves. And man, we're seeing that all around us, aren't we? That is uh, up close and personal. This is like the ultimate thing he wants to do. He doesn't always do it the same way with everybody. But know this, the devil is not your friend. He will never give you anything good. He is on a mission to rob you blind, to use you as a sacrifice to his own lust, and in the end to destroy you. That's his mission. Jesus came to give us life. And it says life to its fullest. The word is actually better translated life more abundantly. Life in excess. That's the best way. Life in its fullest is okay, but that's, it's not even as as strong as the the word really is. Life in excess. He wants to give us this, man, life. You know, I told you guys how old I am now. (laughs) It's hard for me to believe every time I say it. And I want to say, I have abundant life. I have abundant life. But I also remember when I was being robbed, used, and on the road to be destroyed. And I am so immensely thankful that the good shepherd pulled me out of the mouth of the lion and gave me life abundantly. Now, again, think about that word, life in its fullest, life more abundantly, life in excess. The picture is, the picture is that of like room, space, and, you know, freedom. The devil wants to fool people into thinking that Jesus, oh, Jesus, don't follow him. He'll restrict you. He'll bind you up. He won't let you do anything. I'll let you do anything you want. Come with me. But it's the exact opposite. He promises life. He promises freedom. But his intention is to bind. Jesus promises freedom and he gives it. And man, I just... Sometimes I just think, wow, Lord, it's so amazing how wonderful life is as a Christian. And, and people who think like, oh, you poor Christians, you're just living this, you know, this restricted, this boring. It's like, it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have, that is not remotely part of my experience. Remember, in him was life. In him was life. All things were made by him. You come to Jesus, everything is his, and he just says, okay, hey, here we go. I created all of this for you, and there's a right way to enjoy it. And he leads us to that. 
the month of June, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Can Science Explain Everything? by Dr. John Lennox. Doesn't science depend on reason? While Christianity does so not upon reason, but faith. So can scientists also believe in God? In his book, Can Science Explain Everything?, Dr. John Lennox answers those very questions and many more that consider the relationship between science and the Christian faith. Our current culture has been engaged in a science and God debate. He is not arguing for the existence of God, but for the compatibility of God and science. Dr. John Lennox addresses many common modern-day misconceptions, not just about God, but even about science itself. If you want to know more about the relationship between God and science, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Can Science Explain Everything by Dr. John Lennox. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.